Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You can't roller skate in a buffalo herd. can't roller skate in a buffalo herd. You can't roller skate in a buffalo herd. But you can be happy if you've mind to. You can't take a shower in a parakeet cage. Can't take a well, shower not in, in Buffalo. But we are in Cleveland. It's a great city here. I've been having a great time. Brian Mazarowski here on WBEN Live from the Republican National Convention in Cleveland. We're on Media Row, which is just about cleared out. Do people not do radio after 9? Was I, I wasn't aware of this. Should I leave too? I guess I'll stay for a little bit longer. We're still anticipating Rudy Giuliani. Donald Trump will introduce his wife, who they said is the keynote speaker. So I guess that's the right term for it. Keynote speaker. You'll hear that a little bit later on as well. Earlier, (laughs) as Mike Baggerman so gracefully teased for you in the uh, news at the top of the hour, Scott Bayo here. It just fascinates me. Some of you are probably wondering why I've said that name so many times. Why won't this guy shut up about Scott Bayo? Everyone was saying coming into this convention that it was going to be the Hollywood convention. It was going to be the reality TV convention. It's going to be like Celebrity Apprentice on a stage. And then we see the speakers list, and there's not a lot of celebrities on it. And then we have Michael Caputo who helped uh, to set some of the agenda for the convention for what we see this week. And he said there's less celebrities here than there were for Mitt Romney four years ago. That's surprising. But when you think about it, not really. Is Hollywood in general, think of your favorite musicians, the top five. Think of the actors you enjoy. How many of them have been outspoken in their support of Donald Trump? The answer is probably zero. Maybe one. But generally speaking... Everyone is uh, outspoken against Donald Trump and not for him. So it it is tough to get celebrities to come in here when a lot of them want nothing to do with Donald Trump. And Michael Caputo said those who support Donald Trump, uh, they fear some backlash, whether it's social media, whether it's in their professional careers, that if they uh, come forth with their support, they'll be looked at quite differently. Uh, we carried Scott Bayo about half of it before. I want to replay that again, and I want you to think about this when we're listening to this actor's comments. Scott Bayo, by the way, Joni loves Chachi. Yeah, I don't remember that at all. I'm only 26. He was Bob Loblaw in Arrested Development, one of the great character names ever on TV, Bob Loblaw. I, I want you to think about this when you're listening to Scott Bayo. Am I persuaded by people who are only in my life through entertainment, whether it's a musician, whether it's an actor, 
whether it's just somebody else who's on your TV or on a movie screen, because some of you are. And if you say that you're not, you're probably lying to yourself. There's a reason why they want celebrities to speak at these conventions. There's a reason why celebrities use their voice. There's a reason why uh, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, uh, and I forget who else was on stage last week at the ESPYs and said before, you know, we have to take a stand as athletes because people look at them and it, it sways their opinion, whether you like to admit it or not. So far, a lot of you are shy. I'd like to hear from just one of you who will admit that at some point in your life, the people who entertain you swayed your opinion on politics or life. We'll listen to Scott Bayo now. Think about that while you're listening to this. Thank you for that warm welcome. Thank you so much. Tonight's theme is Making America Safe. So I want to thank all the brave men and women who served our country, including retired Lieutenant Colonel Charles Kettles, who just this morning received the Medal of Honor for his heroism in Vietnam. Absolutely. And I want to thank Mr. Trump for asking me to be here tonight. I can't tell you how much of an honor it is to stand up here and talk about a man that I trust with the lives of my family and the health of our country. America, the greatest country God ever created. Now, America is an easy place to get to. But for you first-time voters, it's important for you to know what it means to be an American. It doesn't mean getting free stuff. It means sacrificing, winning, losing, failing, succeeding, and sometimes doing the things you don't want to do, including the hard work, in order to get where you want to be. And that's what it means to be an American. But folks, our country right now is in a, is in a very bad spot. You can feel it and you can see it everywhere. There's no stability. Nothing seems right. And all the things that we hold dear are being attacked every single day. We cannot go down this road anymore. We need to stop. We need Donald Trump to fix this. Is Donald Trump a messiah? No. He's just a man. A man who wants to give back to his country, America. The country that has given him everything. A country that has also given all of us so much. And now it's time to give back to her. We have a choice in November. We can go for Hillary Clinton,
I agree. Who wants to continue the same policies that are wrecking this country. Policies that make us unsafe. A woman who somehow feels that she's entitled to the presidency. That she's somehow owed it. Or we can go for Donald Trump. A man doing this from the goodness of his heart and genuinely wants to help. A man who knows how to get things done. A man who says what he means and means what he says. Hillary Clinton wants to be president for Hillary Clinton. Donald Trump wants to be president for all of us. So, of course, let's make America great again, but let's make America America again. Thank you all so much. God bless. Go, Trump. Good night. All right, there you have it. That is Scott Bayo from earlier on, and uh, I know a lot of people are shy out there. One, uh, I got a, a tweet here that says, maybe in my 20s, Howard Stern influenced the way I thought. I'm 35 now. Yeah, but that's the point. At one point in your life, somebody swayed the way you vote, and maybe it doesn't happen anymore, but for that one part of your life, your vote went one way, because of the influence of somebody in entertainment. And that's why they bring people like Scott Baio. It's funny to say that name. They bring people like Scott Baio, who's going to influence hundreds of thousands of votes, or maybe not. I'm not sure. Anyways, it is 9-16 here on WBEM. We're about six speakers away from Rudy Giuliani, who uh, we're expecting to hear from. Perhaps around 10 o'clock. There's no real set time yet for this, but uh, we'll hear from him sometime soon, about six speakers away. Donald Trump will also be at the podium tonight. Until then, you have me. Phone lines are open, 803-0930, star 930, here on WBEN. You're soft, you're slop. They calling me pop. I'm rolling in bands, riding around, and I'll beat up July. Back here on WBEN, live from the Republican National Convention in Cleveland. Brian Mazarowski here with you. 803-0930 is the way to reach us over the phones. At BMAZ1 on Twitter, of course, at News Radio 930. If you want to get your thoughts across, we're live at the Republican National Convention in Cleveland where we are expecting a little bit later on to hear from Rudy Giuliani. After that, we will have Donald Trump speaking. And from what I understand, it is the first time, at least in recent history, at one of these conventions that the presumptive nominee has spoken before the final day when he makes his big speech. So he will introduce his wife. It'll be interesting to see what we get tomorrow. Tomorrow, there's a pretty busy day uh, set so far. Uh, Chris Collins, local congressman, will actually be one of the speakers. He will 
speak tomorrow evening. So we'll carry that for you here, and uh, we will catch up with Chris Collins, I believe, tomorrow morning, too. So you'll hear from him uh, kind of what it's like to be a speaker on the floor of the arena over there. Also, I believe Newt Gingrich is on the docket for tomorrow. We did hear him earlier on today, though. He spoke to the delegation, the New York delegation, at their breakfast this morning. And uh, I've excerpted, excerpted, excerpted one of those words. A little five minutes uh, piece from his uh, remarks that went over half an hour. It took some uh, questions and answers. Uh, but here's Newt Gingrich talking with the New York delegation earlier today. Trump is actually a symbol of the underlying discontent of the, discontent of the American people. And the challenge for Republicans is to accept the idea that the Republican Party that can govern will be 30 or 40 percent bigger than it is today, and they will all be strangers. There'll be people you're not used to. They'll talk in ways you're not used to. They'll behave in ways you're not used to. But they will more dramatically reflect America than the Republican Party as it is today. And you have a chance this year, more than any year I can remember, to bring together people of every background and to use social media to connect them. So I think that's very important. Now, let me tell you why I think it's so important. As, as uh, Ed said, I've, I've spent a long time on national security. I actually started studying it in August of 1958. And uh, I helped develop the Hart-Rudman Commission, which spent three years looking at what threatens America's the most comprehensive report since 1947. In January of 2001, we said we were almost certainly going to be hit in an American city. This was 10 months before 9-11. But we said something much more sober, which is what's driven me ever since. We said the greatest threat to the United States is a weapon of mass destruction going off in an American city, probably from a terrorist group. Now, I really want to emphasize this because I want you to understand why I personally am so intense. I'll talk about this Wednesday night when I speak to the convention. We have the danger in a world where North Korea, Pakistan, and Iran get nuclear weapons, that sooner or later, terrorists are going to acquire one of those weapons. Pakistan is riddled with terrorist groups. Iran is a terrorist regime. And North Korea is insane. So North Korea, given the right circumstances, in fact, uh, I just wrote uh, a new novel about terrorism, which I wrote one last year called Duplicity. Uh, I have a new one that comes out this October uh, called Treason. And uh, in it, we, we lay out the proposition of a terrorist organization that finds a way to buy from the North Koreans a nuclear weapon. Now, why does that matter? Well, you know how horrifying 9-11 was. Add two zeros and you have a reasonable death rate from a nuclear weapon in Long Beach or Manhattan or Washington or Cleveland or Cincinnati. There are actually studies of Cincinnati and Long Beach that indicate how many people. So I get up every morning and I worry. And when I see something like Nice and the, the reporters come on and they go, a shocking thing happened tonight. My question is why? It's not shocking. It is exactly what our enemies have been telling us since 1979. They are going to find ways to kill us. They want to destroy our civilization, and in the process, they're happy to kill us if that's what it takes. In fact, they enjoy killing us. They use video of killing as a recruiting device. 
So they attract from all over the planet people who like killing. And yet, this may be a bad analogy. You guys can give me advice later. But what really hit me watching the reaction to Nice, and I got very angry. And I commend to you a, a brand new novel by Daniel Silva called Black Widow. Silva was the CNN Washington bureau chief. He's now written 16 volumes about an Israeli spy uh, named Gabriel Alon. And in Black Widow, which just came out last week, the opening three chapters are on the attack on Jews in France. <clears throat> last year, there were 4,000 attacks in France, more than any time since the Third Reich. And it just isn't noticed because, after all, one wouldn't want to stir up the public. The French government only finally last week revealed that people in uh, the nightclub had been mutilated, tortured, had eyes poked out, had been cut up. They had hidden that for months. The director of French intelligence said last week, before Nice, that Europe is on the verge of civil war. Not just France, all of Europe. Now, I share this with you, not, not to be sober, not to scare you, but to, but to be honest. And, and it's, it's as though our leadership are sheep. And they watch the wolves come in, and the wolves eat some sheep. They ate 84 sheep and these. And our leadership sheep say, gee, I wonder what the psychological problem was. Because after all, they can't be a wolf. Because if they were a wolf, my world would be different, and I couldn't be a sheep anymore. And I'm determined to remain a sheep, no matter how bad it gets. Well, I come out of a different branch. I come out of the guard dog branch. And guard dogs believe you kill wolves. And that's the way you keep sheep safe. He was saying wolf, not wolf, just so you know. Newt Gingrich, uh, that was him speaking to the New York delegation earlier today. He is set to speak tomorrow. Uh, it's a busy day tomorrow. We'll run through some of that when we come back. Brian Mazarowski here. Phone lines are open. Your comments on anything. Uber getting around the area here. A celebrity that had an influence on how you voted. Taking your calls, 803-0930. We're live from Cleveland, the Republican National Convention on WBEN. I don't know what that is. Brian Mazarowski back here on WBEN live from Media Row, the big media center here in Cleveland at the Republican National Convention. 803-0930 if you wanted to get in. We, uh, we're keeping tabs on everything going on. It's a little bit of a light night today. Still to come, Rudy Giuliani. We have Donald Trump introducing his wife. And I'm, uh, I wonder how many people are looking forward to Melania versus how many people are wondering how Donald Trump will introduce her. 50-50, something like that. Tomorrow, it's a pretty busy one. We have Newt Gingrich uh, speaking. He's one of the last speakers. You have Mike Pence uh, is the keynote for tomorrow. You have Chris Christie, Dana White of the UFC, which we're hoping to be able to... Uh, get a hold of him at some point and ask him just a little bit about uh, what their plans are as far as coming to Buffalo in the future because that was part of what they promised uh, when they were 
and negotiating with New York State that uh, some of the other areas around New York State, namely Buffalo, would uh, be able to host some events in the near future once that legislation was passed. I uh, would like to talk with Dana White a little bit about that. But for right now, uh, we'll take a look back at something that already happened as we're waiting on Rudy Giuliani to come to the podium. He should be just a few speakers away. Uh, Marcus Luttrell, you might know him. He's the author of Lone Survivor. If you've read the book or seen the movie, it was played by Mark Wahlberg. It's an incredibly moving movie. I haven't read the book. That goes to show you what kind of person I am. But he spoke on stage tonight. He was introduced by Rick Perry, who I'm being told was wearing his glasses. Let's, <laughs> let's listen in. You know, back in 2006, my wife, Anita, and I, we had this extraordinary experience, this great pleasure of touring a naval base in San Diego. Our guide that day just happened to be this big old tall drink of water Navy SEAL who was recovering from combat-related injuries. Now, he was a Texas boy. He was, he was pretty plain-spoken and respectful, and his love for America came through loud and clear. As we departed, that day, I just told him, kind of in passing, if you're ever in Austin, come by and see us. <laughs> now, you know, some people might say that uh, that meeting was just blind chance or a twist of fate. I'll tell you, it was by the grace of God. And he and I kept in touch over the course of the months through a tour that he had in Iraq and in his return to Texas. And darned if he didn't just show up on our doorstep at the governor's mansion, unannounced, with nowhere else to go. We welcomed him into our home. We helped him get the care that he needed. And today, He's like a second son. Now, many of you know the battles he fought in Afghanistan, but too few of you know the battles that he and thousands of veterans just like him face when they come home. Tonight, our commitment is this. Making America great again starts by taking care of our veterans. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome an American hero, the lone survivor, Marcus Luttrell. Cleveland. Yeah. 
Y'all know I love you. I love coming down here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you again for having me back. For those of you I've stood before in the past, it's a pleasure to do so again. For those of you I haven't stood in front of, thank you for the privilege to do that. Really, I mean it from the bottom of my heart. I was fortunate enough in, in life to be born from a patriotic family. It taught me to love this country and the people who make her up unconditionally. To die for any woman and to fight beside any man without hesitation or hopes of individual achievement. That's the way I was raised and that's the way I still walk my life. For generations, the men and women in my family have served this country proudly, both at home and abroad. My father served in Vietnam, and although he was shamed out of his uniform, it only solidified his resolve to raise his boys, me and my twin brother, to be patriotic and love this country and its people more than we loved ourselves. In the past 10 years of my uh, Navy SEAL career, the first, first 10 was in combat. The next part of it, I was traveling around the country, state to state, city to city, town to town, armed only with the memories of your bravest fighters and the story of how hard they fought to protect our way of life. And because I was willing to completely open up my life and speak about the worst week of it, I was blessed with meeting and seeing one of the greatest people America had to offer. And I think it's important, I think it's important to say that we got to make sure that the, uh, the hell the veterans return from is not the hell to come home to, okay? That's what was promised and that's what's deserved, period. It also speaks volume about my generation and I love my generation, Generation X, the X-Men. It was an honor to fight along alongside all of you. That even when the system doesn't take care of our boys, the citizens step up, start foundations and programs to help the wounded and the families of the fallen. So from the bottom of my heart, and literally, please know that I end every day on my knees thanking God for, for y'all and what you do and how you covet my generation of veterans coming home. I got a chance to, um, for those of you who know me, you know I only talk about stuff that, that, I've, that I've experienced, and usually on the worst side of it and the best side of it. Well, I had a, I had a chance to actually uh, spend time with Mr. Trump, and I know he understands what it's going to take and to fix this. And to, the only way we're going to keep America safe is to have an elite military, all right?
made up of the warriors and prepared by the toughest training that we have to offer, supported by the best equipment and backed up by the nation, well, that puts those people in harm's way. Every one of us has to step up in some way. We need our leaders to lead by example. That each and <clears throat> excuse me. They need to lead by example and show the American public that each and every life underneath the flag should be family and treated accordingly. I'm sorry. I'm so used to speaking from the heart when I have to read this, it goes wrong. So I'm just going to go. You ready? Not only do the leaders have to step up and support us, but the family, those of us in here, we're all family. We step up and we back them up too. Not only that, we hold them accountable for every position and office that they hold. Either way, look, either way, the only way we survive this is together, not apart. In order for any life to matter, we all have to matter. You understand? To my generation, that was for y'all. To the next generation, this is for you. Your war is here. You don't have to go searching for it. Your people are afraid. I stand among you walking. I was allowed to walk with giants, all right? And now we're looking for the next generation of giants. Who among you will love something more than you love yourself, all right? Who among you are gonna step up and take the fight to the enemy? Because it's here. I challenge all of you to fight for this country and for each and every one of us. Look, the world outside of our borders is a dark place, a scary place. America is the light, and her people are the goodness that grows from that. She'll always be worth fighting for, and it was my greatest honor to fight for her every day of my adult life, all right? And I, I just wanted to come up here and thank each and every one of you from the bottom of my heart for allowing me to serve you for 20 years. And I s swear to God, I'm gonna spend the next 20 paying you back. So thank you again, God bless. Spoke earlier on the stage at the Republican National Convention here in Cleveland. He is the author of Lone Survivor. If you've seen, if you haven't read the book, you've probably seen the movie based on the book. And uh, he spoke a little earlier on today. As we mentioned today, a little light on speakers. Tomorrow will be not that. <laughs> There's a, a full slate of things going on tomorrow. And still to come tonight, Rudy Giuliani. And we'll hear from Donald Trump. Right now, though, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, more from Cleveland and the Republican National Convention on WBEN. Welcome back. Brian Mazarowski here at the Republican National Convention from Cleveland. 
Things starting to wind down. Day one. I hope you're ready, though. It's going to be a whole week full of this. Uh, as I mentioned before, the morning, what you have to look forward to, a full recap of anything you missed from the floor, anything that went down the day before, they'll bring it to you in the morning. John and Susan, and uh, they'll be joined by a whole host of guests who are from Cleveland, uh, you know, on the floor uh, looking at this thing from every different angle you possibly could. So you have that in the morning. Later on, Tom Bowerly, uh, now through Thursday, will continue on live at 3, 3 to 7, right here on WBEN, Tom Bowerly, and then he will be followed by me. Unfortunately, the fun has to end sometime. So you'll have me here 7 until uh, tonight. It's 10, and as we go on, you know, maybe that gets extended a little bit as uh, some of the speeches, I'm sure, will get longer as the day goes on. Tomorrow looks like a busy day. As I mentioned before, you have Chris Christie tomorrow, Newt Gingrich. Um, I believe you have Mike Pence. I'm pretty sure you have Dana White. You have a, a whole lot of people still to come today, Rudy Giuliani, and you will get that in a little bit. The keynotes, Melania Trump. You'll hear that not too long from now. When we sign off, uh, you'll hear ABC. And so uh, don't go anywhere just because I'm booking it right now. The coverage continues. You'll hear both those speeches live here on WBEN and updates throughout the night. So you don't have to go anywhere else. When I take off, I'm going to uh, I'm going to take an Uber home. We talked a little bit about that today. An event like this could not be held in Buffalo. Why? Because there's no ride-sharing. There's no ride-sharing in Buffalo. There's no Uber in Buffalo. You can't rely on your uh, one-line subway and what few taxis are circling around in the city. And uh, a lot of you said you had good experiences, uh, whether it's Uber, Lyft, other ride-sharing apps. And I-, I tell you, if you want to see something like this in Buffalo, that's what needs to happen first. Personally, I don't want to see something like this in Buffalo. It's uh, not that it isn't great. I'm sure it's great for the economy. You know, I look around. I'm sure when I leave tonight, I'll see the same thing as I did last night, and that is all the places around here bumping, absolutely uh, packed, people everywhere. Bars, by the way, I was told this by a couple drivers, open till 4 this week in Cleveland. Usually it's 2. They made the exception. They're open until 4, taking after us. Why don't we take after uh, this area, too, and uh, get some of those ride-sharing? But anyways, I I wouldn't want an event like this to happen in Buffalo just because you look around and how much of the city is closed off for security. It's completely necessary to put on this event, but dealing with that every single day. Like I said, if I worked in Cleveland somewhere, I'm taking this week off. I'm working from home. I'm doing something else to avoid going downtown. Getting downtown wasn't that bad, but just how much is closed off if you can't take your normal route, and you know how frustrating that is. I'm a pretty calm guy. I get behind the wheel of a car and, you know, set the timer because uh, something will just irk me, and, uh, you know, I get a little bit of a potty mouth, to be honest. And that's how the entire week would be with so much traffic and so many different things going on throughout uh, the whole city of Cleveland. I don't know if I'd want an event this big that lasted this long to happen in Buffalo. I remember working in Rochester. They filmed like two minutes of Spider-Man. 
in Ranch. Everyone was so excited. Oh, Spider-Man. They're, they're going to film a little bit of Spider-Man here. This is going to be great. And then it actually happened, and they had to close down uh, two or three different streets for like a week and a half. <laughs> and at the end, it took me one day of driving, and I couldn't turn down the one street I needed to. I said, screw Spider-Man. I'm not seeing the movie. I don't want anything to do with Spider-Man because he's blocking where I need to go right now. Now imagine if uh, those few streets turned into a huge portion of downtown where it's uh, barricaded off. Yeah, I, I don't think so. Anyways, we've had fun here tonight. Still to come, Rudy Giuliani, Melania Trump, and Donald Trump will introduce her. So don't go anywhere. We'll be here all week long from Cleveland, from the Media Center. More to come tomorrow. Some uh, great guests, I'm sure. Some great stuff over at the podium uh, back at the Quicken Loans Arena on stage. And you'll hear it all here on WBEN. So uh, we thank you for tuning in today. Please come back tomorrow from the Republican National Convention in Cleveland. I'm Brian Mazarowski on WBEN. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.